0: use the promo code blue to get an exclusive savings shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day because if there's one thing that omaha steaks knows it's the dad's want steak that's omahasteaks.com promo code BlueWire at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just 89 dollars
1: we're talking small school sleeper wide receivers on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up,
2: Roto-Viz?
1: Welcome into the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at rotoviz excited as always to talk some fantasy football with you curtis you are back for this episode i understand that you made as always some dynasty moves since the last time we talked
3: oh yeah man we had uh our buddy ryan mcdowell from dynasty league football stop by for a great show last week and uh we, we were doing a little bit of dynasty checkup on each other's rosters. If you missed that episode, go back and listen to it. We've done two of those the last two weeks. Been pretty fun exercises. While I was looking at one of my FFPC Superflex best ball dynasty squads, it's $250 squad. So these trades, you know, thinking about them a little bit, you make the right trade, you bring home, you know, a couple Gs at the end of the year uh, in those leagues. And so we're looking for some running back help. We're asking Ryan what he thinks. I'm deep at wide receiver on this squad and one trade that he suggested is a trade that I sent out and it was Michael Pittman for AJ Dillon and it was accepted on the spot so now that now that we've actually seen that trade drop Dave how are you feeling about that deal for me
1: yeah i um i think that this is a, a good example of a one for one trade that could benefit both teams because it's going across positions i like it for you Um, so that's a, that's a a really nice example. Uh, like I said, I have a one-on-one trade. I like it for you. I'm just curious. Was there a lot of back and forth on that though? Or was this an easy one to to get done?
3: No, man. I I, like, I I sent Pittman for a couple of the other suggestions. Uh, I I sent out basically three different trade offers, uh, to various, uh, managers in that league and this owner accepted with no counters, no nothing. It just, I, 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 I went straight up. That's really what I was going for here. Uh, so now it, it does give me a little bit of hope at the position. You know, I've got the 107 uh, pick in that rookie draft. We're going to have the quarterbacks, obviously, in in the mix because it's a super flex league. I think if the board falls in such a way that it makes sense for the squad where I really do not need quarterback help and the top QBs may be off the board, I may fall into, you know, Isaiah Spiller or Kenneth Walker there at the 107 if it makes sense. Yep. Uh, to pull the trigger, and then you know Dylan joins Cream Hunt. as kind of a pair of RB twos on this squad with the, that already has tons of tight end, quarterback, and wide receiver upside. So I, I, I'm kind of liking it. It's feeling a little bit zero RB ish uh, uh, <laughs> in, in terms of structure, and so you know that's the benefit of having you know some friends look at your squads and you know kind of get the juices flowing. So it's worked for Dave. It's worked for me. It's worked for Ryan. Uh, would be interested to hear any of the trades that you guys have made if these uh, sparked any ideas for you. So be sure to add us on Twitter. Let us know what trades you're making. And if there's any ones that we think are pretty cool or just very terrible, uh, they may make an appearance on our squad. But Dave, before we get into tonight's episode, I do want to hit with the FFPC stat attack. And this one's pretty cool, man. This one's really, really cool. Um, I I found this information in the Rotoviz screener, cross-checked it just to make sure uh, that that I wasn't doing things wrong. Checked it with a, another source as well. Pretty, pretty cool. And this tweet has taken off. So Dave, only five players have rushed for six plus touchdowns in each of the past four seasons. That's 2018 through 2021.
1: And we're talking all positions here.
3: All positions. Four of them are not going to surprise you, okay? Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Nick Chubb, and Josh Allen. Wow. Josh Allen, man. The the fifth so so first off, this is a perfect illustration of of why it's difficult to be invested too highly in in the high-end dynasty running backs because only four players have managed to even rush for like 0.4 touchdowns per game um over the past four seasons. And then for Josh Allen to be on that list is just so remarkable. Um so, you know, kudos to Allen. You know, he's obviously in in the mix as the the 101 overall in Superflex Dynasty startups and if you are considering joining a Superflex Dynasty startup make sure you consider ffpc myffpc.com that's where i've been joining all of my dynasty leagues over the last 2 years uh, dave and i are actually competing against each other and uh, one of our new roto uh rotoviz triflex uh, dynasty leagues on ffpc i uh, proudly uh, and wearing the crown from year one, but Dave will try to take me down in year yep. two. You can play with us as well. That's my FFPC.com. So Dave over to you for tonight's topics.
1: So tonight I wanted to highlight, um, an article that our good friend Travis may recently published. He's been doing a lot of stuff related to these prospects. Um, as we approach the combine, which is very exciting. Uh, in in this article in particular is five small school wide receiver prospects who could become the next Deontay Johnson. We are always interested in looking for sleepers, looking for these guys that you can get later in drafts that are going to make an impact and who wouldn't love getting the next Deontay Johnson. Now, of course that is a hard thing to find. So he's mind, uh, some names for us. We're going to hit a couple of them tonight. We're also going to hit one of the honorable mentions from the article. Uh, I would encourage everyone though, to get familiar with the rest of the players on this list. In addition to those that we won't mention. Uh, but the first player that Travis looked at was Jalen Tolbert, a receiver out of South Alabama played from 2018 to 2021. So he had four, uh, seasons at South Alabama under his belt um in total put up 22 touchdowns across his career played very minimally um as a freshman in 2018 so you were looking at around 6 to 8 touchdowns a season for him um actually managed to put up 3141 yards in his career with an impressive dominator rating too across um his junior to senior seasons and Travis actually points out that um He had three seasons with a dominator rating over 35%, but more importantly, or more interestingly, was the first receiver in South Alabama history to record over 1,000 yards in a season. And he actually did that in consecutive years in 2020 and 2021. In the rookie guide, we had him at 24 overall, wide receiver 11. In our mock drafts, he was going between 22 and 25 with an ADP of 24. So when we consider him in relation to where we're expecting to go in the NFL draft, Curtis, what's that looking like?
3: Yeah. So this is uh this is the exercise that I went through uh, for some of the information that I put into the road of fantasy football rookie draft guide. Uh, I use the NFL mock draft database. Um, it, it, it's really out there querying all of the media and uh, team beat uh, projections across the league. Of course, those will get uh, turned upside down after mm-hmm. this week's NFL combine information. So subject to change right now, it looks like Jalen Tolbert slots in as a mid third round pick. So a late day two, 73rd overall. Dave, when you, when you enter in his, uh, his projected weight of one ninety, uh, Tolbert projects for a low four, four and the 40 you know, potentially four, four, even fast player, lanky guy, uh, we really do return some Sims. I won't go down through all of them, but if you're looking for a later in the draft Deontay Johnson type, um, you're seeing some of the names that you would want to see. You know, his number one Sim is Tyler Lockett in our database. You also see Emmanuel Sanders, T.Y. Hilton, and Golden Tate uh, as well amongst the top 10. Tory Smith, also an interesting name that shows up there that had a couple fantasy relevant seasons. Of course, if you're spending a late second or early third round rookie pick in a one, QB, uh, dynasty rookie draft. That's a great return on your investment. Of course, there's some, there's some misses in this profile as well. You're pulling in a lot of players who weigh less than 200 pounds, Mm -hmm. speedy, uh, drafted a little bit later in the draft. So that's going to be, you know, you're going to have a wide range of outcomes, uh, with those players, a couple notes from the, the rookie guide itself. So Jalen Tolbert had a 78th percentile API that stands for Adjusted Production Index. If you want to find out what Adjusted Production Index is and why it's so powerful, would encourage you to purchase the guide. Uh, but Travis wrote this article as well. And, and he says, if George Pickens is the power five king in the class of early breakouts, Jalen Tolbert should be in line uh, as the king of the group of five guys. He posted a 35% dominator as a true Sophomore, So, you know, again, very, very impressive. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the NFL thinks of a player like this coming from a, a, a relatively tradition poor program, but who was just dominant uh, in his time there.
1: Yeah, so good stuff there. Um, I'm very impressed with those Sims. Obviously, we'll have to see where things settle out after the draft happens and if anything happens from the combine. But for a player like this, that's a really impressive group. A lot of names there that I liked continuing along here. The next player that Travis talked about was Khalil Shakir wide receiver out of Boise state. He also played four seasons in his career. Um, not as many touchdowns uh, per season, but was still in that six or seven range. Had a little bit of an impact as a freshman, 16 receptions, a touchdown, 170 yards, uh, but really came into his own there after. was involved as a sophomore, junior, and senior. Now, from a Um, contested catch perspective, Travis noted that he does really well, but one thing that we're going to be looking for him to be able to do at the combine is prove that he can separate. I guess that's been something he needs to work on is proving his separation ability by showing some speed at the nfl combine which could hopefully earn him some draft capital in terms of dominator rating uh just a 0.24 in his career but as a junior posted a 0.46 and a 0.35 as a uh junior i might have said that excuse me as a senior now he went 25th overall wide receiver 12 in the rookie guide so was just behind tolbert had a mock draft adp of 26.7 we saw him going between 26 and 27 in the mocks that we did from a draft capital perspective, Curtis, what are we looking at? We're looking, uh,
3: actually one slot below <laughs> Tolbert, uh, 74. Um, nice. so this is, there's, there's kind of a small school run. It, this is basically a situation where, you know, a lot of the beats, a lot of the, uh, NFL media, um, th- they know who the standout small school receivers are. They don't know what the NFL, uh, evaluators actually think yet. They're, they're probably players with profiles that are deserving of day two. And you start just kind of cramming them in there in the third round until you get more information. Um, Shakir actually uh, similar in, in weight uh, to Tolbert. 193 is, the, is what I've got on file here. And Travis's notes are correct. Um, the contested catch comments worry me a little bit because Shakir is not expected to run well. This is mm-hmm. probably a four six plus guy. Um, you know, he's gonna have to win maybe the way that Keenan Allen does, um, but with maybe a little a bit of a different physique. So uh, I would be probably more interested in in some of his agility metrics, um, than his straight up forty time because he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to get open on precision uh, mm-hmm. and timing, um, and you, you don't want to see a one hundred and ninety three pound slow wide receiver making contested catches, um, so as you can imagine. Uh, with these numbers in the his box score scout, you, you don't get the best return uh, of players because it's, it's got to be pretty special. You're going to have to really be a technician to win this way uh, in the NFL. Now, we see a couple players like that uh, that show up. So there's a little bit of hope. Jamison Crowder um, shows up in this list. Brandon LaFell also shows, uh, shows up in this list. Lots and lots of misses, but again... Um, you would expect this of, of, you know, late day two, early day three type picks. One thing that I will note as compared to Tolbert and and this is like a signal thing, it's not necessarily predictive, but I I consider it signal. Mm -hmm. When you look at Tolbert in the prospect box score scout, most of the closest matches also carry similar draft position. When you look at Shakir, we're pulling in some players who weren't drafted until the fifth or sixth round. Um, and so that means that he has a profile closer to, you know, some lower drafted players. There's probably a wider range of outcomes uh, for him in the NFL draft. So if you're drafting early, kind of keep that in mind. And then it also maybe maybe speaks to the quality of, of player uh, and player profile uh, that he has. So just keep those notes in mind. Uh, from an API perspective, kind of summing it up here on Shakir, um, he did come in just ahead of Jalen Tolbert. 83rd percentile API is pretty darn impressive um and uh you know he uh, travis also notes that he uh, declared a year ago and would have gotten a decent draft capital uh, consideration had he actually followed through with entering the nfl draft
2: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network
1: Okay. Got it. Yeah. I think those are some good notes there. Um, you do like the, uh, the matches that you get a little bit more for Tolbert. And I like the note that you made there, um, about the, with the way that he plays, hoping to look for a little bit, uh, more, more agility over the speed. That was the type of nuance. I probably should have mentioned a little bit yesterday, uh, when I was reviewing percentiles, um, and talking about the different metrics that I look at for wide receiver. Um, cause it, like I said, it really does come down to certain profiles. You might be looking for certain things, um, when you, when you get a little bit more granular. So I like those notes there. Uh, the other thing too, with these players that, um, are going to need to operate like a Keenan Allen, where it might be less about certain physical attributes. Those are the ones that are a little bit tougher to model. Could be tough for a you know a sim uh, type of approach to get those. So that's where we do kind of need to rely a little bit on the people that are watching these games, really breaking down the film. Which is why it's always nice to get as many perspectives as, as we as we can and see what kind of jives with all of the data behind it, uh, just to get that holistic look at a player. So the last guy that we're going to highlight tonight. Uh, he was an honorable mention, but nonetheless, an interesting player. Um, and the kind of fun thing here, Curtis, is that I was probably the player most responsible or the drafter most responsible for setting his ADP as I had him in nearly every mock that we did, I believe. And that is Mr. Javon Heli out of Coastal Carolina, also played four years minimal contributions as a freshman but actually on 13 receptions managed to put up 188 yards and two receiving touchdowns um not heavily involved As a junior, still put up three touchdowns, nearly 500 yards on 46 receptions, saw his dominator jump over 30 to 36% in 2020 when he was a junior and then closed out his career um, with 66 receptions, 1,128 yards, seven touchdowns and a 0.28 receiving dominator in his last year at Coastal Carolina. Now, it's pretty interesting. Um. If you consider that he did not make the combine this year, Travis actually thinks that he might have been the biggest snub this year because he also ended his career with the best mark for touchdowns per team pass attempt among all group five receivers so some of those totals that i shared might seem a little bit low but coastal carolina wasn't necessarily passing as much as you may have expected uh and his overall production profile even by the most conservative estimates travis thinks puts him above the 70th percentile among drafted nfl receivers for so for a player that's looking like he's going to really go late those are some impressive notes from travis
3: yeah, it's it's really frustrating to see him not get invited. Um,
1: that speaks to the
3: quality of the wide receiver class and the depth of it. Uh, so that's probably a note there. Um, if he does get drafted at uh, two hundred one, gonna you know his pro day is going to be obviously very important. Now um, he's going to run sub four five. I, I really do think that he will. So you know we got ten pounds on the other two players we've mentioned. Uh, could be potentially as fast as Tolbert. If he gets drafted, uh, and right now he's projected at 216 overall in the NFL mock draft database, you're talking about a seventh round pick here. Uh, so the margin for error is very slim. Uh, but if he has a good pro day, maybe he gets an invite, you know, local scout likes him or something, he ends up in Jacksonville. Uh, his number two sim is actually Marvin Jones.
1: Oh, well, um, that's interesting.
3: Yeah. And, and Marvin Jones um, is a six, former six round NFL draft pick. So, uh, if you're going to pull in a six rounder, that's the one you want to pull in. Um, and, and you know, really only a two pound uh, differential there in weight, uh, very, very similar career receiving yards, market share, uh, career receiving, uh, touchdowns, market share and final season uh, numbers for these two players. Um, if he doesn't get drafted, there's still some small glimmers of hope that he could find an NFL, find his way onto an NFL roster. And then, you know, anything can happen. Uh, in his top 10 sims, we also see uh, Olamide uh, uh, which I think is interesting, was not a drafted player. Uh, a little bit further down the line, we also see Malcolm Mitchell, who ended up being a fourth-round NFL draft pick. So very wide uh, range of potential outcomes for Mr. Heli there. Uh, ag- agree, he's got to be so disappointed uh, that he wasn't invited. Uh, what's really interesting is, of the three players we've talked about tonight, his API comes in the highest of all of yep. them. Um, just a tick above Khalil Shakir. I don't know, man. Six to 200 pounds. He's fast. I, I got to think that he's going to get a shot. Uh, so if he gets drafted, he's going to be on my radar. But if you're doing an early dynasty rookie draft, I don't think that he belongs uh, in the picture right now. Um, now we did not have uh, full disclosure when we did these mock drafts and when we wrote volume one of the guide. You know, we're like earliest in the industry in terms of putting this analysis out. We didn't know that he wasn't invited to the combine yet. Right. Um, Had had we had that information, I'm sure, you know, Dave would not have been spending early third round picks on him. And we probably wouldn't have featured him as prominently in our non power five player analysis. But the fact that we did is reason enough that he should remain on your dart throw board until, you know, he actually does not end up on a team.
1: Right. And that's why we do three guys because this stuff changes. These things are very fluid. Before we, before we break though, for the evening, Curtis, I want to throw out a question to you here that relates to some of this enthusiasm we can get about rookies, right? So even as we're working down this list, you know, we're still getting excited about guys going in his range. Now, obviously people out there know that draft capital and how that ends up shaking out really plays a big role in shaping how we look at players, but What do people do with this enthusiasm that they have about all these rookies? Kind of like how do they contextualize and how do you get grounded um, if you're perhaps getting too excited about players?
3: Well, it's, you know, there, we could do a series of shows on this for sure. This goes into um, the strategy behind the strategy, particularly in Dynasty. I mean, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have any enthusiasm about probably Shakir uh, or Eli in redraft, maybe late for Tolbert. Ah, uh, because of his profile, we would have some interest in very late in best ball, but from a dynasty perspective, the type of league that you're playing in is very important. You know i mean if if you're in you know ryan uh, Ryan McDowell's talking to us about his kitchen sink style leagues, you know you're carrying thirty players in these mm-hmm. leagues. you know you're you're very interested even beyond your rookie draft in a priority waiver claim or two because it's just very difficult to ever find anything after the rookie draft that's worth adding to your roster. So having this knowledge on these players, you know, who could eventually give you a flex spot start yep. someday, that that beca- you know that becomes yep. very important, or to to develop any trade value that you could you know send to somebody on a bye week or something like that. So it's all there's you know it's context laden in an FFPC style dynasty league. Um, you know, Shakir and Heli are not even on the radar um, whatsoever. Uh, you're only rostering 20 players, you know, they're, they're just guys you put a pin in and if they pop off in their rookie year, you know, you can, you know, maybe churn the bottom of your roster and hope that you get lucky. If you're playing dynasty best ball on FFPC, deeper rosters, I, I think certainly that, that you want to get these guys in the mix, especially at the wide receiver position because of the spike week potential. Um, but yeah, that's what it really comes down yep. to. There's so many players in the NFL and so, so many wide receivers that find their way to relevance in, in the type of offenses that we have now. You know, a, a lot of these first contract guys entering year four that haven't done anything, they're going to end up out of the league uh, or on practice squads or, you know, there's a lot of receivers. And I think of like Adam Thielen, who's in his early 30s, can't stay healthy. And then all of a sudden we see a player like K.J. Osborne, mm-hmm. who didn't really have much draft capital, looking all of a sudden like he could you know potentially be the future wide receiver too in an offense that has supported two wide receivers so you just never know you don't want to write these players off and even if it's not year one coming back to these profiles coming back uh to these you know mental i, I guess guideposts uh, that you record as you as you listen to us talk about players on the pod all of a sudden you're going to remember that name you're going to remember there's positive things or you know you're a rotovist subscriber and you see that name you pop it into the box score scout and, and you find that hey you know this guy gets a chance maybe there's a chance that it will pop so um yeah there, there's there's lots you know just keep it in context that's why we shared the adp that's yep. why we shared our ranking you know we don't think that all of these guys are future difference makers uh, they can't all be the 101
1: right and i guess the takeaway that i kind of have in thinking about that you kind of addressed, right? Like some of these guys I am not excited about because I'm expecting that I'm going to be drafting them on my dynasty teams in rookie drafts. I'm excited because there are more guys that I will have some info on. Like you said, when I need to fill in a flex or if maybe there's a stretch where one of these guys puts up one or two nice games, looks like they can get involved, then you have some background to know a little bit more what you could expect. And my final thought would be, as somebody that's normally a pretty big, um, redraft player in terms of the volume of leagues that I play, having the background knowledge on some of these guys that could develop later in their career has really made a difference for me when I have, you know, 10 or 12 teams and some of them are having problems with injuries, you know, or anything else that can arise during the season. I just need to grab a guy for a spot, start here and there. It's very useful to have this background info. So if you're somebody that's not playing dynasty, I still think that you can make yourself a better best ball manager, better redraft oh, yeah. manager by having this background.
3: Yeah, the great, great points all around. I think that's the type of conversation that we can weave in throughout the offseason, in particular uh, with Dynasty. But uh, to your point, you know, maybe with some of these deeper best ball drafts, uh, once we know the draft capital with these players, we can mix them in uh, as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So everyone enjoy the combine coverage. I hope you get down, get to sit down, take some of that in, have fun pouring over those results. Curtis and I will be back Friday and we look forward to talking to you then. Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.